Welcome to the New Books Network. Would you look at that? Pip Quinn pointed a black-gloved hand at the wanted posters papering the back wall of the mercantile we had stepped into. That is an impressive lineup of criminals. The owner, a mule-faced fellow in a wool suit and celluloid collar, stared from behind the counter. He tapped a rubber stamp against the wooden top with one hand, while the other reached underneath to no doubt grab our trusty firearm. We were, after all, no one he knew. This is G.P. Gottlieb, host for New Books and Literature, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. Today, I'm talking to K.T. Blakemore about The Good Time Girls Get Famous, the second book in her adorable Wild Women of the West series. It's Kansas, 1905, and there's a bounty on the heads of Ruby Calhoun and Pip Quinn for trumped-up crimes they didn't commit. When a movie producer convinces them to let him make a movie about their exploits, everyone, everyone's lives are put in danger. But Ruby and Pip refuse to back down in this charming, lighthearted series about the Old West, the early moving picture industry, and the bonds of friendship. Hi, Kim. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, Galee. It's wonderful to be here with you. So you've written historical mystery and suspense. I loved your brilliant 2022 novel, The Deception. And you've also written young adult historical fiction. How did you decide to set this series in the early 1900s out West? Well, I am definitely a woman of the West. And I have lived here my whole life. And I absolutely love it. And when I was writing The Deception, uh, that was my third gothic thriller, so very dark books. Um, As I was writing that and the books before, it was all during COVID and it was getting very dark in general in life. So I had gone to a writing workshop and at the workshop, there was a prompt. I don't even remember what the prompt was actually. It was a 10 minute prompt. Um, And At that prompt, when I expected to be writing about like spiritualists and something in New England to create a new novel, out came uh, Pip and Ruby, two dance hall girls doing a dance hall routine. And it made me laugh. And when I read it, it made other people laugh. So I said, well, I love these two, two women and I love this sort of Western scene. Um, I was really into researching Pearl Hart at the time, who was the last female stage robber, actually the only second one, second stage robber who was a female. Um, And I just kept turning back to writing sections of what became the Good Time Girls. But at the time as I was writing it, it was my go-to to laugh. Um, because I love the women so much. And as they go off on their journey, their sort of madcap adventure, and they kept running into these very odd people. It, I just, it, it just made me happy. And it was a really good balance against books like The Deception, which I feel was very dark. And um, I, I love the book, but it was very dark. So the girls just started taking off on their own. Once the deception was out, I said, well, what am I going to work on next? Do I want to do another thriller? And I had on my wall by my desk pictures um, of 
cowgirls and dance hall girls and the map of globe arizona in 1905 and i said just finish that as a book and i turned around and i finished it and that was the good time girls and then once that was yeah and once i was done i just turned right around and wrote the second one the good time girls get famous wow so those two both came out within the last year one in 22 and one in 23 right uh actually you see the deception came out in november 20 22 September sorry mm-hmm. and then the good time girls came out in April of 2023 and the good time girls gets famous is coming out next week November 7th so wow. two of them this year yeah congratulations um thank I you especially loved your descriptions of what everyone was wearing how did you research clothing of that time and place I have different books that uh, are about clothes and I have one that's on underclothes from the period and I would just literally in a notebook write what would you wear in 1905 and list every single thing a woman would be wearing and then everything a man would be wearing and what they would be wearing on the east coast or Kansas City or if they were a minor so that I really could get a sense of it's kind of you know clothing is so interesting because it's really how you move and live in the world. Um, and it, and it, it says a lot about people. So Pip, for instance, when she, in the dance hall part of the book, she wears all these doodads and silver things that shine and she loves to show off as she goes out to do trick riding on her horse. And then later on, years later, she doesn't have any of that. So it was it's a really interesting way to show character without uh, overtly stating what's happened to them. Yeah, but is there a cha- was there a chapter on what to wear if you're working in a bordello as a lady? <laughs> I saw read uh, quite a few books and I watched uh, quite a few videos on YouTube that was about a real life. You know, what was the real life of living in a bordello, which was pretty harsh, actually. And um, those all informed it. So I just have notes everywhere. They'd wear this or the the bed at the bottom would have a rubber sheet for the men's boots. So it didn't mm-hmm. ruin the regular sheets and mattress, you know, things like that. Wow. But we all know that life was out, out West was harsh for a number of reasons. And mm-hmm. women at the time didn't have many choices outside of getting married. Can you say more about that? Well, you had, there were women uh, that were doctors at the time in the West. There was a woman who became a stagecoach driver. Uh, But you're right. Most of the women, they would, um, you didn't have that many options. The West was really a, a man's territory because it was so rugged. Um, so the women would be pioneer housewives. There would be, or work in a brothel, or some would have small businesses. Oftentimes it would be a business their husband had started and their husband perhaps passed away. So they got this, the business from them. So, you know, it's a lot of hard luck. There was a hard, lot of hard luck and a hard work, lot of hard work for both men and women in yeah. the West. Yeah. There's a lot more violence against women than we've seen in most of the old westerns did you find Mm -hmm. a lot of documented stories about that well the interesting thing is and in the pieces that i've read and the books that i've read and and 
is that the men really looked at the women who were not whores as almost angels. So they treated them with incredible respect. And then there was the other women, the fallen women. And they were not. There was a lot of violence against them. And uh, of those women, you know, there was a, a big caste system. You worked in a brothel. That was your highest level you could be. You were taken care of. Your health was looked after. You had friends and companionship. Then you would, once you were too old for that, or you had angered the madam, you know, your next option is to to walk the street. And then after walking the street, there would be, um, you could follow the miners. So it's just this kind of like drop down in these cases of women. And with each one came this really big, uh, lots of violence with men against them. Um, drug use was rampant, suicide. You know, every so often you hear, well, the guy married the woman. It's like, well, that's maybe 1%. Yeah. You know, I, it wasn't pretty women. They were pretty women. Right. Um, where'd you come up with the signals in the brothel? Three reps and a tisk meant to beware of boredom. <laughs> I completely made that up. Okay. <laughs> so much fun. But I was thinking, think of this. You're, you're, it is absolutely unsafe. So they had to have some system to warn each other of yeah. who was coming through that door. You also had a madam and she was really the front line to that door. So she could say who came in and who didn't. And yeah. if she was really like, I let everybody in, then you better have some signals going on around that place. Um, so, you know, somebody's not dead by the morning. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought Wild Women of the West, the series, is ultimately about the friendship between Pip and Ruby. Can you say a bit about how Pip protected Ruby when they were working together? <laughs> yes, it was. it's definitely about their friendship. And I think Pip was really good when, when Ruby shows up at, at the, in this town, this mining town, with a black eye. Uh, she's left her husband, and she ends up befriending Pip in the brothel, who actually is more of a dance hall star than she is uh, one of the shady ladies, so shall we say, um, though she does do that. But Pip keeps Ruby um, safe because she keeps her out of that world, and she keeps her specifically in the dance hall world. You're, you're just going to do dances. We're going to sing. Um, I'll keep you away from all the men here who are dangerous. So yeah. yeah, she's she's she saves her, I suppose. In telling the stories, Ruby also shares a lot about herself and about humanity in general. At one point she says, sometimes people rub you the wrong way just by their existence. Minnie yes. Dubois, who once danced with Pip, did it to me. Can you say more? <laughs> Well, I, I don't know about you, but there are certain people I'm just like, why do they bother me so much? I've never even talked to them. Yeah. I'm just looking at them and they bother me. So I'm like, I'm going to use this. This is something Ruby would be like. Like, that person just bothers me. Mm -hmm. Well, I haven't said anything to you. It doesn't matter. They still bother me. 
it's like, you know, it's like taking things, um, you know, you call it the human condition or just the people. We do, we do these really funny, weird things that make no sense. And I, I love looking at those. Why are, why do you do that? But Minnie is <laughs> deserving of her scorn. Minnie actually is a horrible person. Minnie is a horrible person. Yes. Okay. Um, another gem of Ruby's is luck has a way of bouldering downhill from bad to worse. Ruby and Pip keep getting into situations where their lives are at risk. It reminded me of the old perils of Pauline, although these girls live in a completely different time and place. Say more. <laughs> well, they have a little problem with understanding consequences, I think. Yeah. Or... You know, they're really into, we have to have a plan. It, we need a plan. Okay, what's the plan? And and the plan seems like it's going to work. We're going to get on this train. This is the time we're getting on the train. And then something always goes awry. And the plan completely goes off the rails. Somehow they get themselves out of things. I, I was talking to someone who said, those girls get each other, it, get in so much trouble but they always seem to finagle and wriggle their way out of the situation. And, <laughs> excuse me, that's what I love about them. Yeah. Um, Ru Pip tells Ruby that if they get separated and need to find each other, they should plan to meet in the lobby at the Brown Palace Hotel in Denver. I happen to be in Denver. And I've enjoyed yes. that famous afternoon tea How'd you choose it? And let's let's talk Brown Palace. I lived in Boulder for uh, for five years, and I worked in Denver. I love that hotel. Uh, I love Denver. I think it's a it's a terrific place. Um, and that hotel is something else. You've been there. You've had the high tea. Um, so it just seemed like such an odd thing to do. We're gonna. What do we do? Where are we gonna go? How are we gonna find each other? And, and, you know, it, it's so typical of them. Pip just picks a place. She's like, well, let's go here because they have nice high tea. I mean, that, that's the reason. Like, nothing to do with anything or the fact that where they're supposed to meet is hundreds of miles north of where they're supposed to be, you know. Yeah. But it, it's, it's just like that's, that's kind of what they do, the two of them. Let's just, that sounds good. Let's go there. Okay. Yeah. Um explain what was going on in the movie moving picture industry at the time which of course it plays into the second book in the series yeah this was great because i was able to talk to a gentleman named mark wanamaker who is the historian on early early film um, and he's also um, any historical films like the great gatsby or anything like that he's a he's on the film as their go-to person, is this right, is that right, et cetera. Um, he was great. So I, I really knew in 1905, this is the very, very beginning of film. Most of it was taking place in out east with Edison and also in Chicago with uh, a gentleman named Selig. And um, so we're talking right about the time of the great train robbery. That's the most famous movie from that time. And people would, would just learn as quick as they can how to use one of those cameras, which were extremely expensive. And then they would 
just take it and go somewhere and film things. So it was just, it, it was like the medium was wide open. It's like, well, what are we going to do? Do we need a script? No, you don't need a script. We'll just cut it together somewhere. We'll go back to Chicago and get it edited. Um, so I was talking to Mark. I, he, he said, okay, tell me about your story because we need to know that it can really happen, what you're doing. Uh, he's like, tell me about the producer director. So I said, okay, it's, you know, it's this guy, he used to work for C-League in Chicago. He's going out on his own. He's going to go to LA with the first set of people that end up in Los Angeles. Um, he's like, well, what does he do? How does he have the money for that? Uh, it's like, his dad sells soap. He's like, perfect. That works great. <laughs> you know? So it was kind of like that. But then he started telling me stories. Like he said, what would happen at the time is they really did want to film stuff. Um, as they could in, in outside, which you had to do because your only light really was the sun. Um, but a whole film crew went on, on the train from Chicago to LA and in the middle of it, the director got off the train and, and completely disappeared. Everyone else goes to Los Angeles with the camera person and they're in a hotel and they're just partying and drinking, waiting for the director to show up. And Selig from Chicago sends a telegram and he's like, what is going on? And they said, we don't have a director. And uh, they've been costing him a ton of money. So he turned to the director of photography, which they didn't call it that then, it's just the cameraman, mm -hmm. and said, you need to direct all those films. And he's like, he's like, I don't know how to do it, but he had to. And he turned out to be one of the first really, really popular um, directors wow. in what became Hollywood. Then I said, now tell me this. This guy is after these two women who are Pip and Ruby, who are on the run, wanted by the law, getting famous. And he said, oh, yeah, that can happen. Mm. And, he's, you know, the stories were great. He's like, there was this guy who was a bank robber and he was in prison. And the producer came to him and said, let's do films together. I want to film your story and some fictionalized ones. And the guy said, okay, you can do that, but I'm going to be the producer on it. And he ended up being one of the biggest producers in Hollywood. Wow. So, ah. Like, okay, guess yeah. I can do this. Wow. So it was like super wild, you know, it's just like what, the, the thing that was difficult was the film itself was the worst because it's made of celluloid. It's incredibly um, flammable. So that's what had to be taken care of the most. And they, they'd film it, they'd take it out and put it in these black canisters. And then you'd guard those with your life as you took them back to Chicago to the lab or New York. So in the movie version of Good Time Girls, I only ask this question when I really love a book and think of it as a What will, will makeup be sufficient to create the scar on Pip's face? I think you can do anything with makeup. You think you could do it? Okay. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Did you did you in your dreams think about who you want to play those two girls? Oh gosh. Just uh, a fun, <laughs> just a fun thing. You don't have to answer. It's fun to think about though. Can, it is fun to think about about it. I actually think I'm not sure the age is right, but the idea of someone like Reese Witherspoon when she's funny, she would yeah. be a great Ruby. Yeah. You know, the, be, the, yeah, needs to be younger because these these two, Pip and um, Ruby, aren't they like in their late twenties, early thirties? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay. 
All right. But You'll I don't find know. Someone. I'm not. I don't know any of those actresses that I can think of that go. Oh, they'd be really good in these two roles. You'll come up with it when the movie producer comes calling. That's so, right. <laughs> so the one um, comes from Chicago with his camera and his. That's film. right. That's right. Kim, what are you working on now? Um, I am working on a short story that's part of the Good Time Girls world um, that's hopefully going to be ready for Christmas. And then I am working on the uh, book three. Mm-hmm. When can and we that, expect that'll to be see out that? next year. Okay. Uh, next year. I'm going to leave it vague because I'm not sure when next year. Um, okay. Yeah. So I'm going to be working on those two things. Um and it starts in Denver, so I don't think that does anything. Tells any well. You know, um, you're welcome spoilers. to come on over. Come on over. You could see my view, which is totally I, that, not. <laughs> it's not a 1905 view in any way because I'm on the like 12th floor of a building. But and it's you know the world of Denver has changed since the 20 years ago. It's not the same yeah. as it was in 1905. Yeah. It was a yeah, kind of you have to really. I have some books on early Denver and looking at the pictures and going, oh, that building doesn't exist anymore or that right. or that right. or that. But the Brown Palace does. It's still there. Anyway, yeah. thank you so much for joining me, Kim. It's been a pleasure and I wish you the best of luck on all your books. Thank you so much. It was an honor. Thanks for joining me. Again, this is GP Gottlieb, author of the Whipped and Sipped Mystery Series and host for New Books and Literature, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. Today, I'm talking to K.T. Blakemore about her new Wild Women of the West series. Hope you all have a great book to cuddle up with tonight and always. Happy reading.